Starkville is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know sporting events, theater plays, and music concerts tend to have their ticket prices drop right before they start? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Ordering tickets is a cinch. Click on the listing you want and pay, and that's it. Snagging tickets is a breeze with GameTime's two-step checkout system. Oh, and don't forget this. You can tap on GameTime's available listings and see panoramic seat views from inside the app. So, you'll have a great sense of the angle you'll be watching the game from. So check it out. So head to the App Store or Play Store now and download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. A wild one in Starkville. The party continues in Starkville. It's a pleasant lad from Starkville. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer Doug Glanville. So, Doug... You're at UConn today, right? Doing your professor thing. Going to be teaching a class on Cy Young's or MVP elections? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to do that. I, I want to add Hall and Oates, uh, Hall and Oates Evangelist. <laughs> I, I think that's my latest title. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. It's the spring semester's class on sport and society. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So you'd have about 30 to 40 students and they're sport management majors, so... They're into the uh, industry, and I've been talking to students who want to be GMs. It's it's very cool. I uh, we have a nice team yeah. there, a good group of professors. So having fun, good for you. And you're you're not actually a Hall and Oates evangelist now, are you? Well, yes. I I think it's on my Twitter. So <laughs> that makes it official. That makes it official. <laughs> you, know, you I mean, you've been uh, you've been singing Hall and Oates and singing the praises of Hall and Oates for as long as I've known you. I know that and. Uh, yeah. Uh, Doug, this is actually a good segue to what's new with me this week because I heard a lot of Hall and Oates the other night. Uh, it's hard to believe, but I got inducted into yet another Hall <laughs> of Fame. <laughs> uh, this time it was the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame in a class that included, uh, just to, to name some of the highlights, Mike Sosha, uh, Donovan McNabb, and Troy Vincent of the Eagles the great Temple basketball coach, Fran Dunphy, formerly the Penn basketball coach. Yeah. It was, the whole thing was amazing. There was a lot of uh, – the whole soundtrack in the room was uh, great Philadelphia music, so Hall & Oates all over that. But the amazing part is this, Doug. I, I spent most of my life <laughs> not expecting to ever get into any Hall of Fame. <laughs> and then the story of this one is I was in Cooperstown this summer – getting ready to give my speech at the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then that day, I found out I also got elected to this Hall of Fame, the <laughs> Philadelphia Hall of Fame. So, you know, like I can understand maybe Bo Jackson getting into two Halls of Fame in the same week. It's not something I ever thought would happen to me, man. So you got any advice for how I should be handling all this fame I'm accumulating? 
Well, I, I think you need to make a doctor's appointment because apparently Hall of Fames are contagious. Uh, it's yeah. got some sort of, they just sort of chain together. But uh, hey, it's you got to enjoy this ride. It's an amazing accomplishment. And I'm glad that they noticed. Maybe the Philly sports, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't do this. <laughs> we should have been first. <laughs> so they're trying to, you know, do what they need to do. But it's... Uh, it's great. And I'm, I am glad to hear from the sports writing side that that's getting appreciated as central to sport. You know, it's it's so important to, to tell those stories and to recognize the history. So I, I love it. Love to hear it. Thank you. Yeah, there's not a lot of sports writers or sports media members in that Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. So, I mean, the the, the list of people who have won, they're all my heroes. And uh, it, it, it the whole thing is just... Surreal. It's like this giant out-of-body experience that's lasting a year. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so, so that's my off-season so far. I know that you don't have any such thing as an off-season anymore, but when you were a player, what was this part of the off-season like? You know, it's November, spring trainings, three months away, all those sore body parts are finally healing up. So what what were you up to in November usually when you were a player? Yeah, it's well, it's interesting because it evolved over time. You know, when you're a rookie, uh, I think it's a lot of panic to some degree <laughs> because, uh, well, <laughs> one a good example is I had a kind of a convertible studio apartment in Chicago and it was right off of uh, Lakeshore. And the uh, I was so the tough thing about playing for the Cubs, especially then, there were so many day games that you were waking up like kind of regular time, like eight o'clock, got to get to the field. And if you're late, you're missing stretching. And if you're a rookie, that's like horrific. So um, <clears throat> the first year, I remember it was close enough to walk, but this one, Steve Traxel lived in the building. So he took a, you know, he'd drive and pick me up. And um, when the season ended, I was so nervous that I thought I had to be somewhere that I was waking up in a like a cold panic for like two weeks. You know, it's like, oh, 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 oh. Okay, there's nothing. The season's over. You know, like literally every day I could not like contain myself. I kept thinking I had to be at the park. So, you know, it starts that way, but then you get older. And like you said, your body starts falling apart to some degree. So you're thinking about, you're just trying to rest. And I tried to spice it up to think of creative ways to work out. So I, I did Pilates one year with a professional. I did I took dance lessons at Arthur Murray Dance Studios. I mean, before Dancing with the Stars. So by the way, they owe me a royalty check for that. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I tried to make it keep it fresh because it does get a little kind of repetitive if you're just doing the same routine in the same gym with the same hitting code. I worked out with Dave Martinez and Ozzy Timmons and the Tampa crew, Darnell Coles. Uh, I just spread it. I, went to, I remember going to Arcadia, California with Mark Smith out of USC. And I didn't realize that in Jersey, I grew up with squirrels everywhere. In Arcadia, California, it's peacocks. I mean, it was so <laughs> like, I was like, are not often zoo confused. Right. Aren't they zoo animals? I mean, they were yeah. on roofs and I didn't know that peacocks walk around in like you know, American communities like that. So, uh, But the one thing you also do is all of a sudden you become brilliant and become a genius and you think of all the things you're going to fix from last season. And in the first two weeks of the offseason, you figure out the perfect swing, you figure out the perfect diet, you break up 
and and then unbreak up and then get back together with various ex girlfriends in the off season. Uh, <laughs> you, you you literally figure it all out. You're like, oh yeah, of course, I should have just eaten more pancakes. And then of course it all falls apart the third day of spring training the next year. So uh, <laughs> so yes, but travel, enjoy. I appreciated it more and more as I got older. And of course, I had to do a lot more work when I got older because my body was indeed falling apart. But that's okay. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear any uh, any accounts of you just lying around on the couch for two weeks. Apparently, you didn't do that. No. Yeah. No. I, I, one year, I went to South yeah. Africa with my professor from Penn. I just... Wow. No, no, no sitting on the couch. <laughs> yeah. But you, you you were gearing up for that Dancing on the Stars appearance. So if anybody from Dancing on the ready. Stars is listening, Doug is trained. Yep. Uh, I am. But no dancing for us, Doug. No, no dancing. We've got no. podcast business. We got to get to. So let's get to it. Um, but first, for those of you who are new to Starkville, now we're available at the Apple Podcast Store and Spotify and TuneIn and everywhere you get your podcasts. Here's how this works. We divide our podcast up into innings, even in the offseason. Uh, we start every inning with a trivia question. You can find the first four innings pretty much everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, the usual. All your favorite podcast platforms, but... If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, we have bonus innings available on The Athletic app and The Athletic website. So if you want to keep listening and get a 40% discount on a subscription to The Athletic, just click on that link where you found us in the first place. Everybody got it? Tremendous. Let's play our game. Only one pitcher in history ever won an LCS MVP, World Series MVP, and Cy Young Award all in the same season. So I want you to name him. The only hint I'm going to give you is he pitched for a National League team at the time. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I I believe I kind of – well, I I know a good guess because – I talked about this a couple of weeks ago about all these pitchers that get overused in the postseason and then blow out. All right. They, cause they get hurt cause they like pitch like in relief for themselves and they close out games they started and all that stuff. So the one guy that is the poster child of that is Oral Hershiser for the Dodgers because I think he won three games in the World Series. Was it 88 against the A's? And I want to say he like ended up having surgery or something at some point <laughs> shortly thereafter. Uh, I don't know. I, su- I assume he won something in the championship series, and I think he was a Cy Young awarder because he had like a one ERA. So that's yeah. my answer. Yeah, that, that is absolutely correct. That's good work by you. Oral Hershiser is correct. Now, that's not going to happen this year, but Doug, the, the Cy Youngs do get announced Wednesday. Uh, so I want you to get at your Ouija board, I'll do the same because we're going to do some predictions. Now, the National League Cy Young, I, it feels to me like it's pretty easy. With all due respect to, let me see now, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Hunjin Ryu, Jack Flaherty, Mike Sorotka, even Sonny Gray. I, I mean, doesn't this award have to go to Jacob deGrom? The only starter in the league who finished in the top five in ERA, strikeouts, whip, opponent average, opponent OPS, innings pitched. Uh, Now, he only won 
quote unquote, won 11 games. And you know, once upon a time, a starting pitcher who won 11 games would never win a Cy Young. Uh, but Jacob deGrom won 10 games last year and won. So now he's about to win his second in a row. Bob Gibson never won two in a row, and Jacob deGrom's going to do it with a total of 21 wins. So, Doug, do you agree he's the pick? And second, what would that say about how the world of baseball is changing? <laughs> yeah, deGrom is the pick. He is the pick, and um, he is the best pitcher uh, in the National League, and he's so dominant. And despite, yes, the wins don't mean what they used to mean. They they really don't. Yeah. If we had a They don't mean culture, anything, apparently. Yeah, pretty much nothing. And Not uh, to the voters. And, you know, the interesting thing about wins is I I appreciate the difference because of the days of when people like Hershiser went 9 and 10, and they it made sense to kind of capture the wins within these starters. But as they go 5, 6, 7, it's a different culture. But it, win has always been such a weird thing anyway because – you know, it's not like the pitcher won himself. You have, you know, 24, you know, you have position players, you have relievers. It is <laughs> it is point. a shared, right, it's a shared concept, which is why I appreciate wins above replacement. Just starting to think of position players and other personnel to adding value to your team being successful and winning, uh, especially compared to the alternative who would be your replacement, right? So I, I like that discussion and I think it naturally flows into this Cy Young because, Look, DeGrom is just dominant, and in our culture, with bullpenning, you know, wins just don't have the value. So you got to look at these other categories, and, and, and all of the significant ones, he's a top three, top five guy, you know, and yes, there's good candidates, but I think DeGrom is the best one. Yeah, if you're first in whip and you're top two in innings pitched, um, that, that, that's, a, that's a dominant year of pitching. So I, I think we're in total agreement on this, but let's turn – to the American League, because that's where the biggest drama is. Uh, this is going to come down to the the Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling of this era. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, two ace teammates who are going to finish 1-2 in some order. The question is, what is the order? Now, uh, first off, need to remember, postseason doesn't count. Uh, look, if it did, Garrett Cole would win. He had a better October than Justin Verlander, but every ballot comes rolling in before a single postseason pitch is thrown, so it's just in. No whining about October will be allowed. That evidence is inadmissible. Everybody <laughs> understand that? We do, right? Okay, now here's the case for Justin Verlander. Had a historic season, Doug. 0.80 whip is downright historic. Uh, since 1900, I'm going to list the only pitchers who allowed fewer base runners than that. There was Pedro Martinez in 2000, Walter Johnson in 1913. That's all. That's all. Justin Verlander was great. He led the league in whip, the, had the lowest opponent average, and did that over the most innings pitch. Uh, and if you're into wins above replacement, he also led all pitchers in that. So he's got a tremendous case. But here's the case for Garrett Cole. Also great. Led the league in ERA. Now only by eight one-hundredths of a run over Verlander, but did lead the league. 
had 326 strikeouts. That's the most by a right-handed pitcher since Nolan Ryan. And had the highest strikeout rate of any starting pitcher ever. So you know what I think we have, Doug? We have a tie. They're tied. They're even. There's no good way. There's just not a fair way to pick one over the other. But you can't wimp out and say it's a tie. I'm going to vote for both. You have to vote for somebody. I feel like the historic whip separates Verlander. And so I think I would vote for him, but just barely. Uh, What do you got? Well, I know it's more fun with the buddy cop concept that we should be debating and arguing this out, but I just, I, I agree with you. I mean, Verlander, when you use the word historic, that kind of stops me in my tracks. And it, and when it's this type of statistic, uh, it's just dominance. And in the culture we're in, where you, we just spoke about DeGrom winning with 11 wins, uh, or you know should win with 11 wins, now you have someone who won 21. And I know Cole won 20 also. But these guys are now becoming these outliers in their ability to single-handedly deliver wins to their team. Uh, that, that separates them. Justin Verlander, you know, not that this counts, but he is 36 years old. I mean, he's, he's not a young guy, right? And he's had arguably, if probably not even arguably, his best season of his career. Uh, really dominant. And the home runs, yes, he gave up a ton, but that's baseball today. So it doesn't hurt him like it would in the 80s or some other. So... Yeah, historic rip, fewest hits per nine innings. Strikeout to walk ratio was also 1-2 level. Um, You know, yes, Cole is right there with him, but once you use the word historic, uh, I got to go with Verlander on this one. Yeah, I mean, Cole had the historic strikeout rate, so you can use it with him too. But, you know, it's still incredible to me, Doug, that Justin Verlander has only won one Cy Young. Now, this will be his fifth top two finish. Uh, he probably should have won the last two times he finished second. I know Kate Upton thinks so. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe this would help even out the scales of justice if he wins this time. Either way, like if he wins, uh, you should not feel sorry for Gerrit Cole. And why is that? We'll get to that next. Doug, we're going to lead right into the second inning question. If Garrett Cole does not win this Cy Young, he'd be only the fourth pitcher in the last 25 years to strike out 300 hitters in a season and not win the Cy Young. Can you name the other three? Oh, boy. 300 punch-outs. Well, who had 300? Well, did Kurt Schilling ever have 300? I'm going to say Schilling. I yeah, thought he, he had... Twi- in fact, he, he had... Two 300 strikeout seasons where he didn't win the Cy Young. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Um, now, what about Randy Johnson? Did he? I'm sure he struck out 300 so often. He must have lost one of these years. Yeah, that's a that's an also a correct guess. And uh, the year that he didn't win, I mean, most of the time he, he, he we're talking about a guy who won a zillion Cy Youngs. But in 1998, what happened? He got traded at the deadline oh, from yeah. Seattle to the National League. So he didn't lead either league in strikeouts. He r- wound up with over 300 total, but he obviously didn't win either league Cy Young, so he was correct. And we got uh, one more. This guy is an active pitcher, Doug. Oh, wow. Well, by the way, when Johnson got traded, 
Who was his first strikeout? That's right. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to guess. Right. I'm talking to him. <laughs> yes. First batter you faced, actually. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I'm a Hall of Famer. Uh, see, I feel like it's some obscure person that got 300, and you said he's active. Oh yeah. boy! Well, I mean, I mean, it's not Verlander, is it? How about Verlander? No, this was his first 300 strikeout season. So, in fact, oh, okay. whoever doesn't win this Cy Young, will yeah, be exactly. the <laughs> <Maybe>. question. <laughs> but active, active pitcher. Uh, you want me to end the suspense rather than Strasburg, uh, Steven Strasburg? No, know. never struck out 300. The answer is Clayton Kershaw in 2015. That was the year that Jake Arrieta won the Cy Young and Zach Greinke, his teammate, had an ERA under two. And so Clayton, he was almost kind of an afterthought in a year in which he struck out 300. God. Uh, There really should have been a Clayton Kershaw Award in those years so that he could just win every year and (laughs) we could could keep it fair for everybody else. Anyway, we're, we're, we're getting off track because here's what I want to do with this segment, Doug. Uh, I want to talk about free agent pitchers, and I want to play a little game of over or under. Uh, we're going to take our friend Jim Bowden's predictions in The Athletic for the contract that three of the big free agent pitchers are going to wind up with, and then we're going to look at his number and pronounce over or under? Do they get more or do they get less? Doug, do you understand the rules of this complicated game? <laughs> I'm on it. All over it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's start with that Garrett Cole. Jim Bowden predicts eight years, $288 million. Now, I'll spare you the math. That comes to $36 million a year. So that's $3 million higher in AAV than the most ever for any pitcher. Uh, that was Justin Verlander in his two-year extension with the Astros at $33 million a year. So, Doug, I, you know what? I'm going to take the under. Not by much, but in our last podcast, I think I predicted eight years, 280 for Garrett Cole. So I'm going to stick with that. That comes to eight times 35. What do you think, over or yeah. under? I, I got to go under. I mean, we were just talking about the, the bullpenning. And yes, Cole is sort of an outlier in that way. He's, he's going to get a ton of money as deserved. But uh, they have to start having an allergic reaction to these long-term contracts. David Price and all. I mean, they, it does not end well. It does not end well. I mean, it, fine. If Cole pitches as well as Verlander does at 36, 37, that would be a really valuable contract. But he has to, to 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 equal that since he's as you mentioned getting more. So I'll say I'll say under. I think maybe I'll say seven years with an option. I'll throw that in there just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Although there'll, there'll be an option and an opt out and an opt in and all kinds of options. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you mentioned David Price. He's the record for the biggest total value on a pitching contract two ten uh, and two eighty eight. It's just a that's a huge pole vault to get yeah. to 288 from 210. But if if he's going to get under that, what date is he going to sign? I'll go like March 12th. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be waiting around for a while. Unless maybe the Angels make a quick strike. We will see. All right, next up, let's talk Madison Bumgarner. Jim Bowden's projection is four years, 
84 million. So that's what, 21 million a year. I think I'm actually going to go over, Doug. Uh, you know, 21 million AAV, that's a little less than Matt Kane or Johnny Cueto got from the Giants, and Mad Bomb saw that one close up. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman even got 22 million a, a year a few years ago from the Tigers. I think the average annual value for Bumgarner is going to go, I don't know, 23 million, somewhere in there. So I, I'm going to go four years, 90, 92 million, something like that. What about you? Yeah, I, I like over with him. He he's just he's got those intangibles that I I see him as getting bid up. You know, people uh, in the shadows have always admired his competitiveness, how, how great yeah. a postseason pitcher he is, and that's going to get him some some value. And uh, if you look at Verlander, I, I think he may even get another year out of it, or you know, like a strong player option or something like that. So I, I'll I'll throw something like five year, you know. Let's say 23, 20, what is that? 110 or something like that. You know, 23. Five times 23 is 115. 115, we'll say. 110. Did you, did you not major at math? At, at oh, yeah. No, it was 22 <laughs> or 23. Yeah. So, yes. So, we'll say that. Okay. Five year, 115. Could happen. Could happen. I, you know, when I talk to other front offices about him, they see him as a guy, you put him on a good team, uh, really reinvigorates him. So we'll see. No doubt. All right. Uh, our, our last pitcher, Zach Wheeler, four years, $74 million is the Jim Bowden prediction. That comes to 18 and a half a year. And, you know, rationally, I would say under, but I'm going to go over. Uh, I think Zach Wheeler is at the top of that best of the rest here, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, he's some definite health worries, definite worries about his shoulder. And, I, you know, Jim alluded to that in his uh, his piece that he wrote where he ranked the top 35 free agents. But I, I think back a year ago, Nate Avaldi, how many health issues did that guy have? And he got four <laughs> years, 68. So I'm going I'm to say that Zach Wheeler gets – that like the James Shields deal. That was four and seventy-seven, if I remember right. That's my prediction. What do you got on him? I am gonna go under just to throw a curveball at you and say I'm gonna say he's gonna get three years and fifty. Probably about eighteen. Yeah, that's probably right. Fifty-six, fifty-four million somewhere in that ballpark. Three years. Yeah. I'm going three opt years. In, yeah. Opt-ins, opt-outs. All yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there'll be <laughs> options. I think there'll be two years of options on it. It's, it's the health, and like you said, he's like he gave up more hits than innings. He's a good pitcher. He's got an amazing arm, a huge upside. But he's also twenty nine. Um, I don't know injuries. There's some. There's still enough questions out there. Uh, yeah. So that's what I he, got for you. He, he like he would be a guy in a perfect world where I would overpay on the average value of the deal. And just to guarantee fewer years, but have all kinds of vesting options that seem like they're easy to reach if he stays healthy. I don't know if that happens. Um, There's a lot of buzz on him, but we will see. Now, we will play this game again later with the free agent hitters. Um, 
I believe that's going to be in the subscriber only portion of this podcast. So if you want to hear what we think is going to happen with guys like Anthony Rendon, Nicholas Castellanos, you're going to have to be a subscriber. But Doug, I, I want to turn our attention now back to the awards. So here is your third inning trivia question. By the time this week is over, Mike Trout will already have seven top two MVP finishes. Seven! Only three players in history have ever had that many. Doug, can you name them? Seven top two MVP finishes. Yes. Well, the good news is that means that they won. They could win and qualify, right? So so I'll go Barry Barry Bonds. I got to say Barry Bonds. Yeah, most ever. Had nine. Nine, okay. How about um, Albert Pujols? He had seven. Very oh, good. One more to oh. go. Oh, deep For a little, how about, little farther back in time. Farther back? Oh, I was going to go Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod? Nope. No? No, nope. he didn't do that? Ooh, Mantle? Wait, how, when did farther, that MVP award come up? Farther than Mantle? Yeah, yeah, my MVP award goes back to the 30s, so farther 30s. back than that even. Oh, boy. Not mantle. Uh, I mean, it's, doesn't go. Wait, Ruth. What was he? Too late. Twenty seven. Too late. Yeah, too late. Uh, Dimaggio, <laughs> Jackie Robinson. Right. Uh, you know, how many guesses do you think you get around here? Now the 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 third guy is Stan Musial had seven. Oh, Stan, nice. Wow, yeah, that's a so good one. Musial, Pujols, Barry Bonds, wow. and we bring that up. Why do we bring that up? We bring that up because it's MVP time, my friend, and that means Mike Trout. Uh, This was Mike Trout's award to lose until he got hurt in September and missed the last 19 games of the year. So here's a little bonus trivia question. How many MVPs do you think have ever missed the last 19 games of any season, Doug? Uh, Zero. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think we have, I think I've mentioned that in this podcast before. Zero. Nobody ever did that. The most ever, most games missed at the end of the season by an MVP is Dick Allen missed six. So wow. this would be a unique case. Um, look, the case for Trout is he's my Trout. He led the league in on base slugging, OPS, OPS plus, wins probability added. You know the the drill. But he got past in wins above replacement in the final weekend of the season by the one, the only, (laughs) Alex Bregman. And there's a tremendous case for Alex Bregman. Let's let's just run through it. Uh, Played for the best team in baseball. Uh, A team that had like a million key injuries that he really helped cover. Uh, Played more than 60 games at short while Carlos Correa was out. Um... First American leaguer with uh, at least 30 more walks than strikeouts since Jason Giambi, almost 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, he played right to the finish, so he winds up leading Trout in almost all the big counting stats. Plus, he's Alex Bregman. Who's more fun than him? He's a winner. He's a winner. So the other thing is, had a much better, Bigger and better second half than Trout for a team that wound up with the best record in baseball. And 
I, I don't know how to handicap this, man. I like I think Trout is gonna win. Um, for the same reason that you know LeBron wins, or you know the, the best players in a def- when when you get into these debates, the best players win, but they don't always win. Mike Trout hasn't always win, so I I change my mind every day about this. I think <laughs> Trout's going to win. What do you think? Oh, it's torture. These these yeah, it's well. Look, I. Yeah, I mean, Trout, we know he's the best player, and this discussing value is always a challenge, right? But we, one of the things we talked a lot about is Alex Bregman got to tell the September story. And the storytellers are human. They, there's a connection, the fans. And he told it really well. I mean, he was a fantastic player the second half. He really put this team on his back. Correa was in and out. He was willing to play, you know, other positions. You know, he's just he's an all around great player and with with intangibles. So um yes, they didn't win the World Series, but even before then, just to get to that space was uh, a lot to do with him. So for that reason, I think he's gonna have that advantage and those nineteen games that Trout missed is gonna be the issue for him. Uh Trout, yeah, he may still win, but I do think that it's a fair argument to say Bregman Bregman can absolutely win this award because of those aforementioned reasons. But uh, what a year, uh, you know, just incredible. And Trout, <laughs> so yeah, so, so how many times has Mike Trout won the MVP award? I mean, you know, I twice. mean, this guy, yeah, Only I mean, twice. so, right. And we just talked about this guy had seven times, you know, he's been up there in this one-two finish and he's finished second five times, right? Um I, that's incredible. That's incredible. And it may happen again. I, I, yeah. I, see, like, I am worried about how history is going to look back on us if Mike Trout only wins two MVPs. I mean it. Um, this historically great player who's great every year has an M, you know, should win the MVP probably every year. And we're going to look back. And I, I mean, do you want people to look back and say, what were those dopes thinking? I don't want to be one of those dopes. <laughs> so I, that's why I kind of, in a tie, lean toward Trout. But you almost I think you almost talked me into Bregman again. <laughs> it's tough. And narrative matters. So that brings us to the National League. Um, I have to admit, I have a vote for National League MVP. Uh, it makes this even this very segment tricky because I'm not supposed to reveal my vote. But here's what I, I can say. I did write a column back in the last week of the season, the season wasn't over yet, and picked Christian Yelich over Cody Bellinger and Anthony Rendon. I did reserve the right to change my mind. I can't <laughs> reveal whether I did or not. But let me just talk about my logic for Christian Yelich. Um, first question is, he got hurt too. So he would also uh, have missed more time than any MVP ever. Um, but the question is, did he play enough to win an MVP? And yeah, he did. He got 580 plate appearances. That's more than 19 position player MVPs in history. Uh, so he played enough, which means the next question is, did he do enough? And how is that answer anything but Oh my God, yes. He was the best hitter in the league without any question. He led the National League in every meaningful rate stat batting average, on base percentage, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, 
uh, weighted runs created plus. Uh, he stole 30 bases. Um, you know, guys who lead the league in those categories, they always win the MVP. Plus, he was the defending MVP. He got every first place vote from but but one last year. He had a better year this year. He had an 1,100 OPS. So what's the argument against him? I mean, one of the arguments I heard was, well, look what happened after he got hurt. Look how hot his team got. They made the playoffs without him. How valuable could he be? Really? Seriously? If you're going to use that lineup, you'd vote Andrew McCutcheon as the MVP. Because look how much worse the Phillies are without him. That is crazy logic. Um, just in wins, probability added. Which, I mean, that documents his impact on winning, correct? He didn't just lead the league in wins prob win probability added. He led by the biggest margin by any National League player since Barry Bonds in 2004. And so then the other question is, is there a better narrative for the guys who got to finish the season, Bellinger or Rendon? I, you know, I couldn't get there. Uh, Cody Bellinger's probably going to win. I think he probably will. Uh, you know, he, 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 he had the best wins above replacement figure uh, based primarily on the fact that he played such great defense. But he wasn't as good offensively as Christian Yelich. Um, his OPS went down every month of the season, April, May, June, July, August, September, every month. And then Yelich gets hurt at a point the Dodgers have an 18-and-a-half game lead. So it's not like his monster September saved their season. He doesn't even have the narrative. So I, I wrestled with this forever. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't convince myself that Cody Bellinger really was more valuable than Christian Yelich. But I, anybody who votes for him, I get it. And then Anthony Rendon had a fantastic second half. Uh, th would his team have come back from the dead without him? Of course not. But in September, he hit 239, he slugged 420, he hit three homers. So you can't get the... Uh, he carried them to the postseason narrative with him either. Doug, like that's yeah. how I reasoned it all out, my pick of... Kristen Yelich in my column. Um, tell me what you think. It's really hard. Well, I'll tell you that very compelling what you're saying, and and I I think Yelich is he's kind of Mike Troutish when you look at the numbers. It's 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 quieter, but you kind of say, wow, this guy. Excuse me, this guy yeah. is like the best player in the National League. <laughs> like you kind of you you just say, wait a minute, uh, because he does it in just about every category. And he has a gold glove award too, by the way. So, you know, it's, um, so that's, I feel like it is a very similar framing. He missed time. He fouled the ball off his knee. Nothing he could do about that. And was, you know, just such a cornerstone of the Milwaukee Brewers. So you could say, yes, they got hot without him, but they got probably inspired by him because he was just, he's just that good. He's really that good. But, you know, Bellinger and Rendon did not, knock my socks off at the end of the season, September, to be able to tell that narrative. And to me, that's the difference in a big way to Bregman-Trout. And to, it creates more space in the argument, even though Rendon had a you know, key postseason. Uh, we're not counting that, obviously, in this uh, context. That is so, not admissible. <laughs> not admissible. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, I, I don't know. I, I do think Bellinger may win. But I, I definitely hear you 100% on Yelich. I just think it's, 
it's very trout like and but dismissing time at this the inopportune time is what's going to hurt uh the power of the voting machine but for both trout and yellich yeah no doubt about it um I, I'm fascinated by this one. Can't wait to see how it turns out. All right, Doug, let's turn to this week's subscriber question, our listener question. We love this question because it allows you, our favorite listeners, to be part of our podcast. And you get your 15 seconds of fame. We're going to tell you how in a minute. Here's how this works. You submit a question, then Cam the newly elected evil mayor of Starkville decides, hey, I like that question. That's definitely going to make Doug and Jason look like an idiot. So let's ask them that one. Uh, And then it'll also give us a fun topic to kick around. So here is this week's question. Uh, It comes not via Twitter, but via email from our good friend, Rich Weiss. And here's what he asks. He asks... Can you name the four baseball Hall of Famers who had 30-30 seasons at some point in their career? Um, All right, here's – like, I've been thinking about it. I think Andre Dawson, Willie Mays – they would be the easy ones for me. Uh, I think Jeff Bagwell did it. Yep, that's one of my answers. I want to say Ricky Henderson, but I'm not sure if Ricky ever hit – 30. So I'll go, I'm going to go with those four Dawson, Bagwell, Mays, Ricky. What do you you got, Doug? So I'm writing this down Dawson, Bagwell, Mays, and Ricky. So I get to pick four other ones and then we could win that way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) All right. Because how about Mantle? What about Mantle? Did he, Mantle, did he ever go 30 30? What about Vladimir Guerrero? Vlad? Um, so I'm trying to pick some other guys. Uh, well, we agreed on two, right? Didn't we agree on Mays and Bagwell? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just assuming we get eight choices and then they <laughs> get right, four out of it. I like the cooperation. We, I like the teamwork here. It's like a tag yeah, team we, in WWE. We stink at this. We, we just. I mean, these are like Rich. This is a really great oh, question, but it's yeah, a really hard I, question. What about Joe Morgan? Did he ever hit thirty? Joe Morgan. Uh, I'm going to say no. But anyway, the evil mayor of Starkville, Cam, has joined us to tell (laughs) us how wrong we got this. What do you got, Cam? Well, evil mayor has to say, you guys are on the right track. Two of the four you suggested, Jason, and I guess, Doug, that you also say are correct. Uh, Two of them are correct. Willie Mays and Jeff Bagwell are both right, but you're off on the other two. I don't want to prolong this. I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. (laughs) Hank, Aaron, and Barry Larkin are the last two who oh, had 30, 30 wow. seasons and have been in are in the national baseball hall of fame. Wow. Mm. I would, I would, I mean, even though I wrote a chapter <laughs> on how underrated Barry Larkin is in wow, my 30, yeah. overrated, underrated book, I would not have guessed that. So good one. Good all right. One. Once, once again, we went up in flames, <laughs> uh, but that we bring this up because there's the possibility we could be adding a fifth member to that trivia group because uh, Dale Murphy did, was a 30-30 guy, and he is on the new 2020 Modern Era Hall of Fame ballot. And let's just 
talk about this about a little bit. I served on this committee last time around. I'm not a member this time that I know of. Uh, Ted Simmons missed by one vote last time. So he's got to be the favorite this time. But uh, one thing that's really noteworthy about the 10 on this ballot is Lou Whitaker, Dwight Evans, Thurman Munson, all on the ballot for the first time. And all right, last time, the committee I was on, we elected Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. What do they have in common with what are the members of this ballot? Oh, they were teammates with Lou Whitaker on the Tigers. So I, I, I wonder if it might be Lou Whitaker's turn. Uh, the funny thing is, he was one and done on the writer's ballot one year and he was off. Same with Ted Simmons. Wouldn't it be unreal if two guys got elected by this committee who were one and done on the writer's ballot? There'd never been any ever before this. Wow. No, I mean, I, I well, I think I, I just see Trammell and Whitaker as like a single organism. I, I don't even know how to separate them. <laughs> that's part of that's part of the problem. I mean, they're uh, they were just so like in sync for I don't know how long did they play together. It just this is remarkable. Oh, 17 um, years. That's all. 17. Yeah, just. So I'm not saying that's a reason, but it is. It's hard to separate what they're what they're able to do as a team, uh, as a unit. It really is like it's a it's an amazing story of, you know, takes me to Daryl Hall and John Oates. I have to think of my <laughs> spiritual guide here for a moment. Everything but yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean Thurman Munson. Like, gosh, what a name! Like, he was he not the best catcher. Of his time, like I don't know what who was who was better at that moment, Johnny Bench, he, Carlton Fisk, like that. But wow, MVP, he was he, he hit almost three hundred as a career. This guy was awesome. He was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's a really good ballot. Now, you know, I could just tell you from my t- my time on on the committee, one of the questions that gets asked the most by the other people in the room is, how long was this guy great? How long was his period of greatness? How long was he a really good player? And through no fault of Thurman Munson, I, I, I wonder if that hurts him in this in, in this context. But I don't know. Uh, every committee is different, and every every committee, you know, things happen a little differently. We have the whole Harold Baines election last year, and I, I think that becomes a factor in all future veterans committee elections more than the writers because so many players on these veterans committee ballots are have a similar case to what Harold Baines had. And then you also on this ballot have Marvin Miller, um, who we spent a lot of time talking about in the, the year that I was on the committee. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how I voted, <laughs> but it's just so hard to tell the story of baseball without telling the story of Marvin Miller. And that that would be the case. It's just uh, the, the makeup of the committee makes it very difficult for Marvin. Yeah, anyway, Marvin, next week. Okay, yeah, Marvin, yeah, okay. No, just Marvin is, you know, great inspiration. I served under Don Fear uh, with the Players Association many years, even through labor disputes like 2000, uh, 2002, for uh, all the battles we've had. But, um, you know, and I was part of, you know, the strike that we had way back, when I wasn't quite in the big leagues yet, but on the major league roster. But, you know, Miller shaped the game. He shaped the economic system. He came with this tremendous union history, or at least like working with labor and collective bargaining. And was transformational. A lot of that informed many other industries. 
it's hard to, like you said, it's just hard to imagine baseball as we know it without Marvin Miller. It's really impossible, actually, in terms of what he was able to do for players, the inspiration about their rights, understanding how to fight for different levels, whether you're a superstar or a rookie or a young player or a veteran, whatever it was, bringing people together over that history. I, I it just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the rules are about like, okay, Hall of Fame enshrinement versus some social cause, but wow, he, he was iconic. Yeah, just the you know the mathematics of how this works. There's 16 people on the committee. Um, you know, quite a few of them are baseball executives. Uh, you only get to vote for four, so you need 75 yeah. percent. Five no votes or non votes knock you off. That's Five. It. Yeah. And so think of all the front office people who are in the room who are not really that inclined to vote for Marvin, and that's just. It's just the the nature of the process works against him. I don't even know if he belongs on a ballot with nine players. That's a whole interesting part of it. But yeah. we'll have plenty of time to kick this around. Uh, just a reminder, next week, the subscriber question could come from you. All you need to do is submit a trivia question via Twitter or email. Uh, Mayor Cam will then pick one. We'll get it wrong. Then we'll rinse. Then we'll repeat. And that's how it works. Uh, you know, you can submit it via email because uh, that's what we did this week. You can send your question to Starkville with an E, Starkville at theathletic.com. Or if you want to tweet us, uh, you can tweet it at me. I'm at Jason with a Y-S-T. Doug, how would they reach you? I'm at Doug Glanville, D-O-U-G, another G, L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. There you go. Just hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville with an E, Q-S. So that's it for Starkville for some of you. But if you're an athletic subscriber, you can keep listening over the athletic app or the athletic website. Maybe you'd like to be an athletic subscriber. Of course you would. Uh, just go find the link that you clicked on to find us here. It'll get you 40% off a one-year subscription. So for those of you who are leaving us, hey, thanks for listening. We will see you soon on Starkville. Starkville.